Dylan, you just watched The House. How's that? I did that? see The House. Uh, it's pretty good. It, it's funny, but it's, you know, kind of what you'd expect from, like, an Adam McKay Right, yeah. So, yeah. like, nothing you're not expecting. But Jason Manzoukas is great in it. Zooks! Zooks! Um, but it's also just, like, a who's who of comedy dangling people. It's got, like, Lennon Parham, Kyle oh. Kinane, um, like, Rory Scovel's in it. Like, just tons of, like, CBB people. A lot of, so you can tell. A lot of improv. Yeah, they just went to, like, oh, let's just get everybody from, like, UCB, like, Los Angeles and just put them in our movie. They, which is hilarious because they did, like, zero promotion on the podcast for this movie. I know. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, well... Well, anyways, <laughs> are we ready, guys? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. All right. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome again to yet another episode of I Want You to Watch This. Uh, I am your host, as always, Dennis, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, as always. There hasn't been an episode where they have not been involved, Colin and Craig. How are you, beautiful? You lie, people? though. There was an episode where oh, I wasn't the, involved. The oh, first episode. <laughs> oh, which kicked off this whole thing where I just surprised Colin with the recording. <laughs> he was like, come over to my house. We're going to record a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, minus episode one. Um, I feel like it really started with episode two with Arrival, honestly. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I definitely started there. Yeah. Well, the, you started the whole thing, Craig. <laughs> you breathed life into it. Um, anyways, uh, this is uh, now part four of our comedy block, um, and it is Colin's pick, um, and it is Dr. Strangelove, and I'm going to pass it off on to Colin uh, to continue introducing this movie. Yes, uh, this movie is from 1964. It is written and directed by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, basically, it is as follows. Uh, paranoid Brigadier General Jack D. Ripper of Burpleson Air Force Base, believing that fluoridation of American water supply is a Soviet plot to poison the U.S. populace, is able to deploy through a backdoor mechanism a nuclear attack on the Soviet Union without the knowledge of his superiors, including the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Buck Turgensen, and President Merkin Muffley. Only Ripper knows the code to recall the B-52 bombers and has shut down communication in and out of Burpleson as a measure to protect this attack. Ripper's executive officer, RAF Group Captain Lionel Mandrake, on exchange from Britain, who is being held at Burpleson by Ripper, believes he knows the recall codes if he can only get a message to the outside world. Meanwhile, at the Pentagon War Room, key persons including Muffley, Turgidson, and nuclear scientist advisor of former Nazi named Dr. Strangelov are discussing measures to stop the attack or mitigate its blow-up into an all-out nuclear war with the Soviets. Against Turgensen's wishes, Muffley brings Soviet Ambassador Alexei Desedesky into the war room and gets his boss, Soviet Premier Dmitry Kisov, on the hotline to inform him of what's going on. The Americans in the war room are dismayed to learn that the Soviets have an as-yet unannounced, unannounced doomsday device to detonate if any of their key targets are hit. U.S. Army troops lay siege to Burpleson, and Ripper commits suicide. Mandrake convinces Colonel Bat Guano to put him in touch with the Strategic Air Command. The recall code is sent, and the planes are recalled, except for one commanded by Major T.J. King Kong, whose radio was damaged in a missile attack. Major Kong is flying below radar coverage, and the Soviets cannot find him. President Muffley advises Premier Kissoff to focus his air defense into the plane's primary and secondary targets, but the plane is losing fuel and cannot attack either of those targets, and instead attacks the only target it can. The film ends with Major Kong riding a nuclear warhead like a bull down to its target, then mushroom clouds going off all around the world as we hear the song, We'll Meet Again. 
Mind Fuhrer, I can walk! I can walk! <laughs> and I will get into uh, here very quickly what the original ending of this movie was going to be, which is very different. But first, let me say that um, this was originally based on a book called Red Alert by Peter George. And Kubrick's original plan was to make a very serious, heavy-handed drama based on this book because the book is a dramatic book it's all about like what if this scenario happened but the further he started working on it the more he just thought this is so absurd the reality of like this and what we live in i just have to make it a comedy and so he ended up making the script into a comedy but what you were just talking about where it ends with uh dr strangelov standing up and saying mein Führer, i can walk originally the movie was going to end with a pie fight with a custard pie fight taking place in the war room what? between yeah the Russians and the Americans and everyone and Kubrick very wisely decided to cut that from the film because yeah. it just didn't fit tonally it no. works so much better the way that it actually ends. yeah because yeah. with, with that I mean I is I think is this the smartest comedy ever made because I think this might be the most intelligent comedy it's it's got to be up there at ever least created because just based off the last movies that we've we've covered. I, I don't know, man. Like, this is <laughs> severely intelligent. And there's so many layers going on. I mean, during my description, you were laughing just at the names right. in this movie. Yeah. Like, the names themselves are jokes. Like, Merkin Muffley. Like, a Merkin is a wig, but not for your head. <laughs> and, like, General, like, Turgidson. Like, Turgid is an erect. And, like, every name in this movie is, like, some type of a pun. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, Jack D. Ripper. Jack yeah. T. Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> like, Major King Kong. Um, right off the bat, there's a Chiron before the movie starts where it's kind of like a disclosure where it's like, uh, it is of express purpose that the military lets you know that these fail-safes, like, there's fail-safes involved where this scenario would not exist. Well, those fail-safes only got in place after this movie exactly. got released. I wrote that same thing down. It was after this movie was released that they created new safeguards to avoid situations like this. Right, so this could have fucking happened. Like... Well, that's that's kind of like the thing. I was like watching this movie, and I was like, "Oh god, this is a comedy. This makes me anxious as fuck." Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah like this whole thing was like me so anxious, like, it's, like it's just dipping into real life right now. Like, like just oh, like, I know. Oh my god, it's just like like a incompetent like president who's just like Con- with who, conspiracy. Who just, well, like, he's signs not even the, the the president. The president is perfectly competent. Well, it's, it's that like there was a. A general who went out of his right. mind. Well, well, he's also like signed something that he doesn't really know, like what the right. details of it are. Like the president has like signed it's this not plan R, there, which you did sign off on. Yeah, sir. <laughs> like there's like, there's a slight level of incompetency in that he didn't realize what the implications of like that signing was. And yeah, throughout this whole movie, it's uh, like the whole like. It felt like very like 1984ish. Like it was like the whole like pieces are profession. Yes, like, I love like that. A military just slogan giant banners that from say the mili- pieces are like, profession on the military base. And- yeah, it just felt like a slogan like straight out of the Ministry of Truth. Like, oh, 100%. <laughs> that's just like what we do. And it's like yeah, and like the whole like oh yeah, in order to prevent a nuclear bomber attack, America flies nuclear like B fifty two bombers like across the globe twenty four seven. But we really were <laughs> at that state of a yeah. panic in nineteen sixty four. I mean, the Cold War was at a point at that point where we were really on the brink of global humanity, yeah. human like destruction of all life on Earth. Well, like, yeah, but it, it was- but at the same time, it is like we want to like maintain the peace by like having the biggest bombs. Yes, yeah, like- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah th- this this whole movie, it's a it's. 
it's a it, it what why i love it is that it's bringing to light the how ridiculous the mad doctrine is which is it stands for mass mass assured destruction mutually assured destruction. Yeah, mutually yeah. assured destruction and the, and the whole concept behind that was that like what kept everyone from not killing each other in cold war was just that the weapons that they were dealing with are so massive that it would just annihilate like if they launched them we would just end all life on the planet as we know it and so no one wanted to pull that pull that trigger and so this is a movie where someone pulled that trigger and it's it's kind of a thing like we built into that it through this twisted form of logic to where the world was actually living that way yes for yeah. decades and, and 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 the the running joke in this movie is like these conversations where they're actually fucking talking about it and everyone's like oh we're we're talking about like blowing up everyone and, and, and it shows in the in in the scene where the secretary is hanging out with Turgidson. It like she's like obviously like like sleeping with him or whatever and she's like fielding a call that's like informing the general of like what the fuck is going on and like he's all like miffed about like having to take this call at 3 a.m so she's just he's just having her dictate like what the other person on the line is saying to him and it's like saying shit that's like yeah, the end of the world is happening <laughs> like, yeah. right now. And it's like, God damn it, I'm inconvenienced. <laughs> well, my favorite line about it, about that, is they're talking about, like, the destruction and everything. And he says, now, Mr. President, I'm not saying we won't get our hair must, but I am saying no more than 10 to 20 million people killed tops. Yeah. Depending yeah. on the breaks. <laughs> depending yeah. on the breaks. And then, like, towards the end, when, like, uh, they're, like, trying, like, they shut down like the whole thing and like all of the planes are recalling except for one and they're like trying to determine like well d- does he have a shot it's like god damn yeah he has a shot <laughs> <laughs> yeah he realizes oh no we're all gonna die yeah <laughs> he's so excited like you see one of those planes oh the pilot he's really sharp like he's got a plane barrels it down so low boy it's a thing to see a big plane like a 52 <laughs> and this character is played by the amazing actor george c scott and he yes. absolutely crushes this role oh everyone in this movie absolutely oh, crushes yeah. it it's excellent um, um i just i'm just a little confused by why the name or why the name of the movie is Doctor Strange. Yeah, when love. he doesn't show up for like, for like an hour, and when like, he's in it, and, he's in it for like maybe ten minutes yeah. total, and and he doesn't really play like a pivotal role other than like providing like some like minor exposition as to like the Doomsday Machine right. and like what. Like, yeah, it, it was kind of weird to oh, me too. And how they should have like harems underground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, Mr. President, we cannot allow a mine shaft gap. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's it's interesting that they choose to call it Doctor Strange Love, and I think it was Kubrick who decided to add the subtitle because that kind of describes the movie better than like naming it after this one character who doesn't show up until the end of the movie. I agree, but but just having the title uh, or how I learned to stop wearing and love the bomb is just a little too cumbersome, and no one would go see it. Oh yeah, no one's gonna see a movie that is just called that. Yeah, Doctor Strange Love, I'm sure brought in a whole bunch of like James Bond fans. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Well, or future James Bond fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to James Bond Connections. And this is one of the biggest ones. Uh, the production design in this movie is done by Sir Ken Adam, who was the production designer on seven James Bond movies. Um, James Bond movies would not be James Bond movies without Ken Adam. Part of the thing of Bond movies are the amazing sets. And that's all Ken Adam, and this movie has the same thing where you're like, "Wow, these sets are fantastic." Yep, it, it, that's uh, I didn't know that, and uh, that makes total sense with the War Room. Yeah, that looks like something. Straight it just looks out of right out of a Bond movie, yeah, doesn't it? Blofeld's office or something. And um, one of the things that happened was um, at the time of this movie's release, the B fifty two bomber was like the height of military technology, and the military was not working with the filmmakers 
on like what those planes look like and all they had to go off of was a single photograph from some magazine <laughs> and then they recreated the b-52 bomber so accurately that they were concerned that they would be investigated by the fbi or the military for like how accurately they depicted the inside Holy of a shit. b-52 bomber off of a photograph wow <laughs> damn um I want to get into uh, a quote real quick because this is one of the most quotable movies of all time. And it's uh, it, the quote, it kind of shows like the one of the first cracks at like Jack Ripper, like the commanding general, or is he a general? Yes. Yeah. General, like Brigadier General Jack T. Ripper. Yeah, who like sets off this whole fucking thing because he's a paranoid, crazy person. <laughs> and uh, it's a line where like he uh, he locks in uh, um, Peter Sellers' character, the the. English. One of three characters yeah, played one by of Peter three Sellers. Characters <laughs> by Peter Sellers, but the English RAF general, yep. and uh, um, yeah, he, he goes, uh, "Please make me a drink of grain alcohol and rainwater, and help yourself to whatever you'd like." <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where it's like, "Wait, what did he just say?" Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he says this, this great runner about, "I can no longer allow communist infiltration." communist indoctrination the communist conspiracy to sap and purify all of our precious bodily fluids <laughs> but this was a real thing though there were actual conspiracy theories amongst right-wing people at the time that fluoridation of water was a communist conspiracy it continues to today well yeah well now it's like oh i'm sure government. alex jones like believes that fluoride in water is it's like it's turning the frogs gay yeah, that's no. It's, it's making us complacent. This oh is no, that's most... that's the that's the airstreams or something like that. Oh that's, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, chemtrails. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, the most recent theory. It is just sorry to rail you real quick, but like I learned this on the, another podcast I listened to last podcast on the left, and I was like, I had to stop. It's like you fucking believe in this shit, you crazy person. And it was that they think that the fluoridization of water is what keeps Americans complacent, and that's yeah. why like foreigners that come here and get educated in our system are much more successful than people than like actual homegrown americans <laughs> which is just like the sorriest excuse for lazy ass fucks yeah that i've ever heard in my entire life it's just the water it's the water <laughs> just like the pizza in new york there's something in the water that makes it oh yeah <laughs> i also love uh going back to like jack ripper being like just a nutball it was like when he's preparing for like the invasion like when the military is coming to like to take over the, the base. base yeah and he like talk, turns to the british guy and he's like hold the gun and he's like the red coats are coming <laughs> like you just said that's a british military officer <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> uh, my, my favorite is when uh turkinson is like he's like uh, explaining to the president like what's going on and like he's like you know i, I don't want to pass any judgment before we have all of the information but you know he might have stepped above his uh, office of command <laughs> yes Far above a point I would have believed possible. <laughs> and then he, and then he like, I believe he may have exceeded his authority, sir. And then, and then he like quotes he quotes a transcript of like of uh, Ritter, Ripper like uh, telling like the rest of the military like what he just did. And he's like yeah, the Turkinson's like reading the transcript and and he ends it with like God bless you all and all of our humane bodily fluids and everyone's like <laughs> stops and like this is quiet and he's like we're still trying to figure out the last meaning of that phrase and the president <laughs> that is like, why he's an obvious psychotic like, well i wouldn't want to jump to those conclusions if we don't have all the information in front of us. <laughs> it's like you don't have enough information to go it's on like, at this like, point he just killed us all like what more do you want <laughs> So uh, Peter Sellers, as we said, plays three different roles in this movie. He's uh, the president, he's group panel Lionel Mandrake, and he is Dr. Strangelove. 
um, he actually improvised the bulk of his lines. Like it would be roughly what was on the page, but he'd kind of take it and change it a little bit. And to that end, I think the, the scene where he is talking on the phone to the Soviet premiere is one of the funniest things oh. in any movie of all time. Because it's a one-sided phone conversation. Yes. <laughs> it's just the, Dimitri. Well, one of our base commanders, he, he did a thing. Well, he went a little funny in the head. Careful, and, uh, I think he's drunk. <laughs> he did something. He did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, I'm more sorry. Well, I can't. You can't be more sorry than me because I'm just as equally as sorry as you are. <laughs> it's so brilliant. <laughs> and Peter Sellers um, was paid half the budget of this movie, one million dollars, for like appearing in this film and playing those three roles. He was originally supposed to play four roles. Holy shit! He was originally supposed to play Major Kong as well. Oh, okay. Um, I thought he was going to play a pie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was going to be a cream pie that would be thrown. Uh, no, he was originally supposed to play Major Kong, but uh, numerous things. He never felt like he got the accent entirely correct, and he was fighting with Kubrick over this. And at the end, um, they were doing an initial filming of the scene where he's riding on the bomb, mm. and that bomb was suspended like 15, 20 feet in the air, and Peter Sellers uh, conveniently fell off of the bomb and twisted his leg leading to Slim Pickens being cast in that role. Which was excellent because Slim Pickens slays Oh, he's perfect. He's fucking He's absolutely perfect. perfect. Like, he pulls a cowboy hat out of a locker on the plane. Puts it on and says, Well, reckon this is it, boys. Nuclear combat toe-to-toe with the Ruskies. Not only does he pull the cowboy hat out, but he pulls out a modified, like, headphone piece because it's yes. like as opposed to ones that are attached to the helmet he has like a modified version of that so he could wear his cowboy hat <laughs> at the end of the fucking world like it is amazing and, and leading up to that scene I wrote down FGD1 uh, FGD135 which is the code that the B52 bomber receives in like that like is like the oh co- the code for launching plan R launching plan R uh, which is like you end all communications with everyone because the end of the world has already happened and you're you're in command of your own and you're just sent to to drop these bombs on all these targets and shit and it's great because it plays on that whole thing where it's like wait did they really send that code and like it, it flashes back and forth between FGD FGD 135 and then the answer for that code like so many times where it's just like and everyone's just like looking at each other like holy shit, we're actually fucking doing this. And, and the first person to question, like, hey, what if this is just a test, if they're seeing who will follow through right. with this order, is James Earl Jones in his yeah. very first appearance in a film. Yeah. That's James yeah, Earl Jones. That was James Earl Jones. Wow. Cool. <laughs> I love that the, uh, <laughs> like the code prefix is uh, OPE. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, when you accidentally drop a nuke, but you're from the Midwest. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> But then, like, written in the bathroom is, like, purity of essence, peace on earth, purity of essence, like, O-P-E-P-O-E, some combination of these. And there's a great Easter egg in the movie Raising Arizona, where they, um, John Goodman and his buddy are in the bathroom, like, changing out of their prison clothes and getting ready to get back into society. And on the door of the bathroom is O-P-E. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I like that. That's great. Um, another quote, favorite of mine? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is a war room. Yeah, it's yeah. a war room. <laughs> that is like the quote that is like probably most famous from this movie and is like on all of the books about it. And like <laughs> one of the little two documentaries on the DVD about this in the special features is No Fighting in the War Room. <laughs> I also love uh, 
Doctor Strange love. He's like, the whole point of a doomsday machine is lost if you keep it a secret. <laughs> Why didn't you tell the world, eh? <laughs> and then <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, well, we were planning until on Monday. Like the premiere loves surprises. The premiere loves surprises. <laughs> yes, we were planning on doing the conference in Minsk. Well, I love that, Craig. I'm glad you brought that up because it's like my favorite moment of the movie. Because he's like. Like Strange Love is like so excited to talk about the Doomsday device. He's like, it's really elegant thing. You can bury it deep in the planet, and it can be as big as you want. But the only purpose of a Doomsday machine would be if you touch the rest of the world. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange. I mean, I, I, I don't get why the movie was named after him, but I loved his. The like, character him in this is movie. brilliant. Like, yeah, and how he's just that Nazi scientist. Yeah, like, he's like, he Mind calls Fuhrer. the president I Mind Fuhrer like Mr. multiple President's times. <laughs> Arm, the evil third yeah, right arm. Yeah, just like pops up, and just like keeps on doing the yeah. Hitler salute. Salute, and then he's trying, he's trying to choke him at one yeah. point. <laughs> I can see why they named it Strange Love, just because like that's just the most colorful character. Yeah, uh, and I, it's I also think... a provocative thing. You're like, what is this, Doctor right. Strange Love? Um, okay, so well, that said, who do you think is the leading character of this movie? I think it's. Uh, George C. Scott's character. Oh, I think it's Turgenson, probably. Mm. But it's such an ensemble movie that it's hard to pin down who. Right. Because there's so much time spent with, um, you know, Ripper and Mandrake and so much time spent with the president. It's like three short stories blended. Yeah, and there's also everything that's going on on the plane. Right. So it's, it's just this whole massive ensemble piece telling a bunch of different sides of the same story. Yeah, and uh, and the material that they're dealing with is just absolutely amazing and very, uh, um, unfortunately, uh, current still. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, just the su- like, just the political subterfuge like that they go over, you know, like especially when they have like the the Russian ambassador in the war room, and like how like they don't trust each other at all, and like. You don't really know if he's like saying the right things. That You're not actually bringing the Russian investor down here. He'll see. He'll see everything. He'll, he'll see the big. He'll board. see the big board. <laughs> <laughs> but then the the like Soviet um, ambassador actually is taking pictures of yeah. the war room, like clandestine, like with his. Well, it's like at the and, very end, like yeah. when it's like I kind of didn't see the point of we're that. We're already because was... like blowing up the whole world. Yeah. Why are you gathering <laughs> intelligence? Like we're all pretty much going to the bunker from here. So right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, <laughs> I always think it's funny that like they like are coming up with a contingency plan like after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and that was the thing too. I was like, uh, I was like, I feel like this could, could become really shady really quickly because it's like all these dudes and it's like, oh yeah, we need like the military elite and the politicians who got us into this mess to yep. be the people who like the first ones to go down into the, the bunker. Survive. Yeah. It's so like male centric too. You know? yeah. It's like, Oh, we'll have to have, you know, seven women per one man. Yeah. And then like the Russian premier is like, this is an excellent idea. Dr. Strange love. He's like, thank you, sir. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. What do you think the chances are? Any black people are getting into the bunker? Like, oh, in 1964? Yeah. Zero. Thank you, Zig. So, uh, this movie has an 8.5 on Rotten Tomatoes, a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, or IMDb 8.5, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, 94% audience score. Had nominations for Best Picture, Best Actor for Peter Sellers, Best Director for Stanley Kubrick, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Wow. Didn't win any of those, but it had all of those nominations. Mm. Do you think that's because it's a comedy? Could be, very well. Comedies usually don't do well right. at, the, at awards. Just because it's just like, well, you can't take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> which is a really stupid thing which is, which a is really like why don't thing. we like 
get yeah. more attention to comedies and well i mean like especially like a comedy that's this brilliant something that takes like something that's this serious and this like terrifying and point out to us the lunacy of it right like this is like to me <clears throat> this is like what a comedy does for like a very important like social political topic as like get out did for like horror movies for like a social political topic you yeah. know what i'm saying like like it doesn't have to be a dramatic genre in order for it to be effective it could be a horror genre for it to be extremely effective it could be a comedy genre for it to be extremely effective you know i don't know well yeah no that's the thing it's it's you know it's about more about the message and conveying that effectively than it is about just saying oh yeah well all comedies like no such thing as like a you know smart comedy like that's pretty much like when you're looking at the Oscars and it's and they kind of like snub stuff like that when it's like this is a very very relevant message this is something that makes a whole lot of sense yeah <laughs> and it's, it's a actually, hell of a lot better than your Oscar grab yeah and it's like within yeah and within like what's being done within this movie it is done like to perfection like whereas yeah like the Oscar movies where it's like yeah the the Oscar bait where it's like oh yeah the same formula where it's like we can make this formula that'll win or like at least get nominated for an Oscar. And like you get those same things over and over again, but it doesn't really add anything. No, like this is, is something that was like, like culturally like revolutionary. Right. Like this movie, and, and that's why Kubrick changed his mind in the middle of writing it and decided to make it a comedy because he was working on a, a drama and it was like, no, like I have to point out how ludicrous this is, and the way to do that is to make it a comedy. Yeah, and in that, I think it like. Is a much it, it establishes a much better like uh, barometer on life on this planet would be I don't know because like because to be able to laugh at something and be like that is fucked up if that happens I think is like a much more like I don't know like like solidifying uh, opinion as opposed to like a drama where it's just like you're assumed to like have this emotion you know what I'm saying so like like when they're like laughing about like holy shit, we just blew up the whole planet because this guy's paranoid about fluoride in the water. Yeah. Like, I think it's much more effective than, like, than it would be if it was just a drama about, like, the planet's blowing up because atomic bombs are bad. Yeah. You know? Because it's, like, it allows for, like, the audience member to, like, come up with their own opinion on it. And it's, like, why are they laughing at this as opposed to just being, like, oh, death on the planet is bad. This is, like, instead of being terrified of this, why are we laughing at this? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it allows for, like, it, that sparks more, like, like better thought I, I think into like and better conversation right yeah. exactly yeah. you know and god how i love i love how this movie has started out it, it like it, it's all because of a fucking crazy ass paranoid conspiracy theorist you know <clears throat> and yeah. just like spreading misinformation and like and coming up with his own truths on like how the world fucking works and then just and then just like forcing everyone to like obey those beliefs well and then the, yeah that's the thing too it's like the fact that someone like that like got into such a high echelon of like the military. I wonder how that could ever is, happen. Yeah, I know. That's I was like, I was like, whoa, weird to think that like a mentally unfit, mentally unstable, you know, person would be able. Well, it would pretty much have to be a white man, pretty because like, usually if it's a woman, it's like, oh, she's on her period, or it's like, you know, like that's like the whole thing. It's like yeah. it's all these things where it's like, all there's a lot of leeway yeah. in that sense, and so it's like, oh, like that's scary as fuck that like there are probably people like, well, we can very clearly see people like that who have power, who are very, very mentally unstable and mentally unfit for the positions that they hold. Like Carson, <laughs> like how did he become a surgeon? <laughs> how did that guy slip through the cracks? <laughs> or 
president. <laughs> How is he still okay. breathing? <laughs> Anyways. On, on a lighter note, did you guys notice that um, gum is a runner through this movie? Yes. Like, Turgenson is pop, constantly popping gum into his mouth in every scene, and like on the plane, they're all chewing gum. And, and it's in their survival pack. It's yeah. like a shit ton of gum. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing about that survival pack. That line, there, there were multiple things about this movie that had to be changed after the Kennedy assassination. Because this movie was in production, and the Kennedy assassina- assassination happened like right before the release was supposed to happen and uh, one of the things that had to change was slim pickets had to come in and adr in a change because originally he's going through all the contents of the survival kit and he goes boy a fella could have a really good weekend in dallas with all that stuff and then they had to go back and have him change it to vegas yep Mm. um they also had to delay the critic screening of this movie because it was falling like right dead after the kennedy assassination they're like oh with the content with the content of this film, it's not appropriate for us to show it even like an advanced screening for critics this close to the president being shot. So like multiple things had to be changed as a result of the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, that kind of rocked the world, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Um. Uh, another scene that I quite enjoyed was the uh, after uh, Jack Ripper's like killed himself and like they make their way in. And uh, Bat Guano has like made his way in and is like talking with um, what's the, the Lionel Mandrake? Yeah, with with Mandrake, and he's like trying to get like the president on the phone, and he's like calling, like he's like talking to the operator, and he's like, <laughs> he "Can you put it through as a collect change. call?" And he's like, and he's like, "No, they won't make it a collect. They won't accept the collect call." <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> "Can I get some change?" And he's like, "He's like, shoot that lock off of the Coke machine." Yeah. He's like, "That's private property, sir." <laughs> like he's like, and he shoots it off. He's like, he's like, if you don't get the president, like you'll be answering to the Coca Cola Corporation. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then the soda sprays him in the face as he's collecting the coins. <laughs> but I just love that he's trying to get him on the phone. He doesn't have enough change. <laughs> they won't accept the charges on the collect call and everything, <laughs> but he does get through because he gets the code to them. And everything. I, I just love how like a uh, just such a dullard that that uh, Backwano is, where he's like, he's like, Mandrake is like, why do you think is what do you think is going on here? He's like, well, I was just told to get in contact with you know the General Ripper to the president. It's like, well. If that's the case, then he'd want to talk to me. Like, <laughs> General Ripper's dead, isn't he? Yes, I'm General Ripper's executive officer. So the president's damn well going to want to talk to me, isn't he? <laughs> and General Ripper goes into the bathroom to kill himself. Yep. And like he sees him, he's like, killed himself while he was shaving, eh? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't believe him. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, solid movie all around. Um, really liked it. Very unique piece. I can't think of any other movie that's like this movie. No, I don't think you'll see anything in the world that's quite like this because it's nope. so it's very unique. It make it made me uh, wish uh, Kubrick wrote more comedies because I think this is his only one. It's his only one, and um, <sighs> I'd be I'm, I'm I'm strapped to call myself a fan of Kubrick because there's some movies that I just like. I fucking hate that man for making. I'm looking at you, eyes wide shut. Like that's oh, yeah. terrible. <laughs> that's... And I just not a fan of the shining that much. And but on the flip side, I love Full Metal Jacket. I think that's one of the best Vietnam, if not one of the best war movies ever made. And I love two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. Like, those movies are absolutely amazing. He really is a director who's like that. There's a spectrum on one end there's this and there's two thousand one. And on the other end is like 
eyes wide shut and AI. Oh, what? And I would say to a certain extent, Spielberg took it over after he died. Uh, I would say Clockwork Orange to a certain extent. Yeah, that's another one. Just Uh, like like, that's like that's annoying because it's like a cult thing, you know? Yeah. Like fans of Clockwork Orange are fans of Clockwork Orange, and And I'm like, it's not. Yeah, it's creepy and weird, and you've said ultraviolence enough that like I get it. (laughs) I'm done. Yeah, I I I watched that movie once, and I was just like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I get the movie. I just don't get why people love it so much. Yeah. I just. Uh, yeah. I couldn't develop compassion for that piece of shit. And I think yeah, you were yeah. supposed to. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but this amazing Kubrick film. This amazing Kubrick film. Uh, I'm kind of wrapped up on my notes. Um, um, the actor Sterling Hayden came out of retirement to play Jack Ripper. Oh, really? Yeah. That was just one of the few little things. I, I also just. Uh, Love the handwritten things on the atomic bombs that say "Hi there" and "Dear John." Yep. Yeah, I love the opening credits that are all handwritten. Yeah, opening credits were designed uh, specifically for this movie, and they just wanted it to be something like really unique and cool. And they also wanted some like kind of phallic imagery, and that's why they have the plane like refueling in air. <laughs> <laughs> it is phallic. Oh yeah. <laughs> I also, it was kind of like weird that there were no credits at the end of the movie. That happens that a, a lot thing? with old movies. Okay, because I was wondering with older was movies, a... they would have all the credits at the beginning and no credits at the end. And it was a kind of a switch that happened with the different unions, the actors' unions and production unions and everything, that eventually they were allowed to put the credits at the end. But um, back in older movies, they had to have everything at the beginning. And now they just have credits all day, every day. <laughs> beginning, middle, end. <laughs> Half hour into the movie. Oh, Half there's still, the credits, rolling? Oh, still wow. credits rolling? Uh, <laughs> that was a long, cold open. My one other note is that um, when George C. Scott falls over backwards and just keeps talking in the war room, yeah, that was an accident, but Kubrick thought he was making that as a choice just to show how manic Turgenson was. <laughs> so Kubrick kept it in just because he loved it, even though it was an accident. It was just one of those things like, oh, that's great. <laughs> like, despite the fact that you fell down, like you kept going, so yeah. I'm using it. it. It fits perfectly with like the whole feel of the movie, you know, especially after Strangelove gets rolling with his like crazy hand and stuff. Yeah. Like it's it fits perfectly for like that scene and the whole emotion stuff things. Yeah. <laughs> Feelings. <laughs> Feelings and stuff. Um so yeah. Is that our Doctor Strange Love review? Yeah, I think I'm uh pretty well set on it. Cool. I uh I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, this is a movie I've loved for quite a long time. Yep. And for pretty obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, this is my first time seeing it. I mean Obviously, I'd seen like the the end. You've scene. seen like yeah, yeah, you've seen him riding the bomb, which was weird because it was like almost like an accident. Like it didn't seem like he was planning to ride. The no, bomb he down. wasn't. He's down there because the Bombay doors are like locked. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, even and... like when he was like on top of like when he was like, it seemed like it was like, oh shit, it opened, and now I'm falling with the bomb, but I'm just gonna go with it. Like it just <laughs> yeah, kind of seemed like he's got his cowboy hat. He's just like, all right, yeah. I'm <laughs> riding it down. Woo-hoo! Like having seen that image, like I was like, I totally thought that was like just like. He was like totally just gonna like I'm gonna go down with this bomb like it it seemed like that was like what he wanted to do from day one of that guy's life is <laughs> 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 to write an atomic bomb down just write a dumb down write bomb the riskies <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah just excellent excellent performance all around by everyone um all right well that wraps up our review of Doctor Strange Love or how I stopped worrying and love the bomb um. 
I guess we will move into any uh, corrections and omissions from last week, which we just recorded. That would be Kung Fu Hustle. I don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just still am embarrassed that I didn't know that that lady was uh, one of the schoolgirls in... <laughs> Shame. Sorry, man with the golden gun. You got your James Your Bond, Bond. card is revoked. Yeah, well, I'll, well, I'll give it back to I, you. I got it back for Ken Adam for on Ken this Adam. one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. um, oh, I will say that uh, Julie ran out of time in her personal life to watch Dr. Strangelove, but expect to see more of her um, in our podcast. I'm slowly trying to work her into being a regular uh, co-host. Um, all right, well, I guess we'll move into uh, any kind of recommendations we have. Um, I'll kick it off. I got something that it goes beyond nerdy um, into the realm of cool, and that is SpaceX launches. They are fucking awesome to watch, and they are happening a lot because the currently the uh, SpaceX is playing catch up from last year's terrible explosion that they, that occurred and blew up a giant satellite. And so now that they have the okay to do all these launches that were scheduled before, they are launching like literally like once or twice a week now, and they're gearing up for something really cool. Hopefully later on this year, which will be the launch of the Falcon Heavy. This is all real going on. Usually I'm talking about video games or movies or entertainment <laughs> or stuff, but these are like actual real life shit and it's really cool to watch. And uh, if you haven't watched one of the uh, the Falcon boosters like land automatically on a barge, oh, yeah. it is literally the coolest thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. That's awesome. Um, I'd say that's still pretty nerdy. Yeah, okay. I Rocket mean, science. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty okay. nerdy. Okay. <laughs> I think it's just a little bit more cooler than some of the other stuff. Oh, um, no, yeah, it's... But maybe that's just me being a turbo geek. I mean, nerd is cool. That's the thing. It is chic. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking about nerdy recommendations, I got a super nerdy recommendation. It's a, a web series through Nerdist, but you can find it on YouTube. It's called Force Gray Giant Hunters. Ooh. It's a uh, D&D show that's got Chris Hardwick, uh, Brian Posehn, um, Alicia Johnson, just a whole bunch of really cool um, nerdy people doing a really fun D&D campaign. So uh, check that out on Nerdist or on YouTube. Oh, wait, so Brian Posehn is doing another... Well, he comes in kind of in the middle of it, mm -hmm. but uh, Chris Hardwick is there from the very beginning. Who's DM? Uh, this guy who you'll recognize from, if you've seen a bunch of like D&D stuff on YouTube, he's kind of a well-known guy for being a DM, but I can never remember his name. Hmm. I love DM. I love D&D podcasts. I think it's such a cool use of podcast. Yeah, well, this, this is like a video web series, but it's the same principle right, okay. you know it's just watching people play D, D, but it's it's still a lot of fun right it's still in the mind's eye <laughs> yes um <laughs> uh, i will recommend uh crazy head it's a netflix show it's like british supernatural meets buffy um it's Wait, more super oh the show supernatural yeah, yeah, meets buffy yeah okay. it's yeah but it's like british um and it's it's pretty funny and awesome it's about like these two women who like see demons and become demon hunters um and yeah it's a pretty cool show crazy head fuck yeah i'm gonna check that out you said there's only like six episodes in the first season yeah that's that's some palatable television yeah <laughs> Gotta hand it to the British. Yeah, I, I, they're so good at that. Just... Yep, yep. All right, well, um, that wraps up uh, our fourth um, into our comedy block, and probably our last. I don't think we have any other. I don't think so. Comedies in our comedy block, but like, this, I feel like this is a block that we're going to return to because it's such a general genre. I, I expect us to do another comedy block, maybe something more defined down the road. You know? Yeah, we had talked briefly about uh, possibly doing a Mel Brooks yeah. block. Yeah, stuff like that, like director-specific or maybe like animated 
you know, do mm-hmm. animated comedies. Um, if there is such a thing, maybe I'm uh, just thinking of Sausage Party. Okay, that well, wasn't great though. No. I mean, it was it wasn't great. I watched it like a couple days ago. It was. Oh. It was, it was, it was, there were funny moments, but it was just... Not worth it. Yeah. It was, okay. Yeah. Well, never mind on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but up next, we are going back to our blockbuster uh, movie, or summer blockbuster series, ongoing series, uh, with Baby Driver. Um, we will be reviewing that movie soon. It is Edgar Wright. I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to talk about it much more. Uh, so expect that in the pipe next. Um, well, thanks for listening, as always. Uh, you can find... Uh, all of our episodes on soundcloud.com forward slash IWYTWT and hey you can follow the podcast on twitter at IWYTWT you can also follow us individually on twitter I'm at the debucks I'm at Cohen Lunch (laughs) 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 couldn't know which of us was going to go there (laughs) I'm timid Cullen Lunch I'm at Catharticus alright and you can find us on Facebook facebook.com forward slash IWYTWT and uh, oh hey uh, wherever you found this podcast and listening to it in your little podcast device be it your phone iPod uh, uh, rock whatever you got Stones of far speech. Stones of far speech. (laughs) (laughs) Zune. Sitting on that mountain watching the smoke signals. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wherever you're getting it, um, there's probably a feature that'll allow you to write a review for this podcast. Please do that. That's a great way for us to grow our audience, which just motivates us to do more of these great shows. It's a lot of fun doing these things, but it's a hell of a lot more fun when we get feedback from all y'all. So uh, go write a review, rate us, um, and tell some friends about us. Uh, if you have any movie fan friends that are kind of nerdy and think would like this podcast, tell us about it. Tell them about us. Yeah, that's how sentences work. Um, cool. Well, thank you. And uh, join us next week for Baby Driver. Meow. <laughs>